on the viewpoint. Monday, January 13, and that was a beautiful song by Gabriel titled Rise. We're talking about the state of ESCOM. Goodness gracious me, it seems like we can never have a conversation about ESCOM without having to sigh and lament something about the peristatal. That's a conversation we're going to have for the whole of this hour. And then at the top of the hour, as usual, back to normal scheduling, back to normal traditions, health on Monday. First hour, the state of affairs at ESCOM, Dr. Tashiv Ramsanda, who's the director of Cambridge Aerothermal at Cambridge University, I beg your pardon. And then Mr. Sandy Leswana, political analyst and lecturer at the Wits School of Governance. Of course, Health on Monday, we're talking to Mr. Marcus Lowe, editor at Spotlight. More about Spotlight later, but we'll be talking about South Africa's response to TB and HIV. Over the weekend, as always, drama seems to follow ESCOM, and ESCOM seems to make noise, seems to do something or have something of and or about them that warrants us to have a conversation. So tonight we're talking about the state of affairs at ESCOM. The chairperson of the board has resigned. There's a new CEO. Whether he will stick or not, well, nobody knows that. The deputy president feels that ESCOM misled the president, but the presidency doesn't agree. Go figure what that might mean, considering the fact that there are so few people in the presidency for such an agreement, for such a great disagreement, I beg your pardon, to even be taking place. There's still load shedding, and it is impacting the economy, the economy in very, very, very dire ways. Is ESCOM using the right power generation model for South Africa? Are there engineers running the ship at ESCOM? Whatever happened to the unbundling of ESCOM, these are some of the questions we are now going to be having with Dr. Ramsanda as well as Mr. Sandilaswana. Mr. Ramsanda, good evening. Good, good evening. How, How are, are you? you? Thank you very much for having me on the show. Thank you so much. Mr. Sandilaswana, are you there, political analyst and lecturer at Wits School of Governance? Yes, I am here. Good evening. Thank you. Ex- thank you so much. Let me start with you, um, Butsandila. First things first, Didi Mabuza and what he has had to say about ESCOM and, frankly, his colleague in the executive, Praveen Gordon. What should one make of that, or what do you make of that? Or what are the implications, even, of that statement calling, first of all, the fact that they had misled the presidency, whether or not that is true, the fact that the deputy president has said something as great as that, calling for the board of ESCOM to resign, as well as his colleague, essentially. That's what that statement would be read as, or am I wrong altogether? Uh, I think that... uh Obviously, the, the, the statement was uh, written out by Didi uh, Mabuza, but also, on the other hand, you had uh, a comment from the deputy president and a comment from the president. I think uh, I would like to start with a comment from the president, state president, Cyril Ramaphosa. Cyril Ramaphosa says that uh, Didi Mabuza, and uh, not Didi Mabuza, Kabu uh, uh, Mabuza, the group CEO and chairman, of ESCOM has resigned and he has done something unique in South Africa of taking accountability for any failings that has happened during the time that he was in office. So I think what uh, Sir Ramaphosa is then saying is that uh, whatever was said, indeed at the end of the day there are certain promises that uh, Jabu Mabuza made to the cabinet that he was then not able to fulfill. And as a matter of honor, he has decided to resign, to show that he made a promise and miscalculated whatever he miscalculated. And then he did the honorable thing and resigned, which is not part of South African governance. 
South Africans have a thick skin in the face of clear failure, they remain in office. Let's talk about the reality then, despite what has happened, and I'm going to go back to the fact that I actually want you to respond to my question about Didi Mawuza and what he has said in relation to the ESCOM board and by necessary implication Pravin Gordon in the wake of the resignation of Jabu Mawuza. What do you make of that, if anything? Uh, uh, well, I may have missed the statement. The statement that I remember of Didi Mabuza was the fact that uh, the 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 cabinet, the president was misled. In other words, uh, Pravin and the ESCOM board had misled the cabinet. That is where I last heard of it. I don't know if he issued an additional statement after that. Okay, fair enough. Let me move on then. We'll get back to this issue or sort of the issues that come from that. Listening in on the conversation and also knowing what you know about the debacle, if I can even call it that, I'm sure it's worse than that, Dr. Tashiv Ramsander. ESCOM is a parastatal under siege. Anybody who is anybody, including myself, probably has an opinion on this. And I suppose at the end of the day, we will find ourselves discussing nothing because ultimately what does matter and should matter is the consistent supply of energy. But there are just too many things that are now becoming sideshows and nothing about making sure that the nation has no load shedding, a consistent supply of energy and increased capacity. As the director of Cambridge Aerothermal at Cambridge University, could you give us a global perspective of what it is that you can tell us about ESCOM through your work, through your experience and or proximity to the role players involved? Yes, um um yes, so that figures uh power mix has uh, largely been dominated by coal. And uh, that's for good reason. So that's a famous for its high-quality coal and always has been a major exporter of good coal. But um, as you mentioned, with global awareness of climate change, uh, change technologies using fossil fuels are highly discouraged. Um, South Africa's coal usage is relatively high compared to other countries. In 2016, South Africa used more than 90% of coal, whereas the United Kingdom used 9% and China around 65%. Um, the renewables percentage of South Africa is quite low. We're sitting at 1%, whereas UK and China are somewhere at a quarter, 25%. So um, I really stay focused on the fact that load shedding is a massive problem, and it's affecting the economy greatly. Um, we need to fix this problem. People are trying to bring in foreign investors to try to invest in other types of alternative energy. But I think before we can focus on developing a portfolio for a better, cleaner future, we must be able to provide good quality uh, power for the people. Um, we, considering our current situation with load shedding, power generation, uh, poor generation capacity, we must fix this problem. Because it is a good economy that always allows good large-scale implementation of zero carbon technologies. You know, as in Europe, the switch to gas is a is a very good way uh, to reduce carbon emissions. But uh, South Africa does not produce that much gas at the moment, and hopefully, with better exploration and extraction technologies, we might see greater um, gas to the mix. Um, but considering uh, ESCOM at the moment, um, we need to consider that the power stations are very old. 
And it is a very complicated situation that we're in, simply because we need to provide electricity, but we haven't really considered the increase in generation capacity. Um, and I think it's, we have to sit together um, and get the power stations to start running um, properly and reduce the increase in load shedding from stage eight to possibly even more than that. Once we stabilize the grid, then perhaps we can start looking at increasing the generation capacity in order to provide better quality power. We're in conversation with Dr. Tashiv Ramsanda, who's the director of Cambridge Aerothermal at Cambridge University, together with Mr. Sandy Leswana, who is at the Witz School of Governance, specifically employed and doing and performing the role of political analyst and lecturer. We're talking to them about the state of affairs at ESCOM in the light of the recent events. Let's say of the last week, specifically the resignation of the board chairperson, who was also former acting CEO, as well as the statements that have come as high in the office as that of the presidency, specifically the deputy president. If you do want to participate, please do give us a call on 0891-104-207. We are available also on voice note on 0614-104-107. This is The Viewpoint with Swanez Omar Dr. Mr. Swan, let me ask this question in relation to what Tashiv has said. Is it necessary for ESCOM itself as an entity to be saved? Is it necessary for the government to have a nationalized power utility? I'm asking this in the context of its unbundling which President Ramaphosa had mentioned last year at his State of the Nation address, and the possibility as a result of that, the increased privatization of energy production? Um, I mean, some of these questions are very tricky, but um, the, um, the, the, the issue, for instance, of power, power generation, and also the control of uh, network industries like telecoms, railways, and other things, even road networks. Uh, at a certain point, the decision is not a purely economic decision. It is also a question of security. You can imagine if private companies, including foreign companies, if your power supply in the country was under the control of foreigners that you have no control over, etc., etc., uh, if hostilities and other things were to happen, it can become a problem. So when you study these issues, geopolitical issues, some of the countries that end up in tensions is because of energy and power between these countries. So if you don't have control over your own power, it can become a political problem. So I don't think that um, allowing a certain extent of private generation of electricity is a problem at all. And I think Cyril Ramaphosa has made it quite clear this time that he wants these entities, a lot of these state entities, uh, to be put under one holding company, just like it is done very successfully in Singapore. So from the, in terms of new direction, I think that uh, Cyril Ramaphosa is now tabling the agenda that the issue is not so much about privatization, but I think it's about professionalism, which has been eroded in the past couple of and and politicization, whereby people could not do professional work, even the engineers at ESCOM left, a lot of them left because the environment was toxic. So Can I interrupt? from my point of view, um, ESCOM is going to remain in, in the state hands, and I don't think it's a bad decision. On the issue of the politicization of ESCOM, to take just but one point that you have sort of brought through to the fore, that politicization of ESCOM is the 
politicization of everything to which the ANC-led government has access to, specifically the comrades within the party. So outside attending to that, it doesn't matter what you do at ESCOM, it will always give us the results that it is giving us and will continue to give us, unless it is my submission that the politicization, the cater deployment, and the kinds of political interferences that ESCOM has unfortunately experienced over the last certainly decade and a half will continue. What is your view to that position? I, I think that um, there is a changing environment uh, in South Africa today. I think there has been a generation of people uh, who came through the, the struggle of the 70s and 80s going into the 90s, for whom, unfortunately, a lot of them held very high positions in society, in private sector and public sector, for whom all the truth, almost all the truth was in the ANC. The ANC could do no wrong. I think the immediate past has demonstrated a lot, particularly the past five years, that actually the country can go to hell very quickly um, and, and that there is no reason for you to blindly follow uh, all the things that come from the Tully House because some of them are proving to be criminal. Some are proving like ESCOM to not only be criminal on the other hand but extremely detrimental to the economy. I think the safety of this nation, whether it's economically, physically and otherwise, is in question right now simply because of ESCOM. So the ANC and its ability to deploy people as it sees fit over the next three to five years, I see that ability diminishing because that aura of Oliver Tambo, the aura of Sisulu, uh, Lutul, uh, and so on, that aura is waning rapidly. Talking about the aura of the past comrades, the question is, and I'm reading an article that Adrian Besson asked in terms of who really is in charge of ESCOM. Given the power dynamics that are inherent in the parastatal, and I'm coming to you there, Tashif, it is clearly something which the presidency has concerned itself with. It is something that is in the province of the Ministry of Public Enterprises. There is a CEO who has just joined the mix, but he is answerable to the board of ESCOM. And then you've got the old guard that is there, the CEO, for instance, and you've got the engineers who are there who can tell you what the true problems are at ESCOM. You've got interests within the parastatal itself, and not less among those, the trade unions who seem to even think that it's feasible to migrate ESCOM from public enterprises to the Department of Energy. From your perspective, where do you think or believe the power faction or base of ESCOM its direction and its improving of fortunes lies. So um, this this entire state of confusion between uh, ESCOM and uh, political pe- uh, people not being able to tell you what's going on, you know, some the presidency and the deputy presidency having some confusion, ultimately lies in the miscommunication between the engineers and the the upper management. And that's because this is not a simple problem. In fact, it is very complicated, and that's why we find ourselves in this situation. But generally, if you want to relay a single line to the people trying to explain what's going on, you try to ask an engineer to explain in one line what's happening, and they will tell you, uh, they will give you a prioritized fact. But unfortunately, that prioritized fact has a lot of information behind that, of which is completely displaced. 
And therefore, when you try to make major decisions on a single line, that is a problem. You get miscommunication. I think engineers are actually the key to solving our energy problem. And uh, we are living in an age where you do not have to work in a particular sector for decades to contribute to a certain field. Engineering with cross-disciplinary skills is vitally important. It appears that ESCOM has difficulty retaining the highly skilled engineers, and we must provide greater incentives to bring the engineers back, as they are the key to solving load shedding. It is important to give the engineers greater control, and if we do, we will be faster to resolve problems, quicker to implement change, and be better at giving information to the people. So I actually think instead of trying to put people who have lots of years in the political aspect of ESCOM and power generation, we should start putting multi- and cross-disciplinary engineers into positions that are higher up in ESCOM so that we can start getting better information really and all of us will understand the problems associated with load shedding rather than just assuming what's going on. In relation to talking about the fact that there isn't one straight line with which information at a bare minimum can be translated, Dikatso from ESCOM, hi there, perhaps some something from the Department of Public Enterprises to talk to at the stage would suggest you get analysts in. We will have to decline the request. That was our that was a response we got from the spokesperson at ESCOM. Is it so difficult even so much as to speak and represent the organization, Tashiv, from the spokesperson, somebody whose job is to tell us what is going on, to decline a request to talk to us about ESCOM and defer it to the political power, that is the Department of Public Enterprises. What do you make of that declination of request and, moreover, the reference to DPE? Well, Why should think, we listen I to politicians that, about ESCOM? I think uh, that it's quite simple. It is just because... If you put in a position where you have to put a stake in the ground and hold your opinion, you have to be very careful to make sure that you know exactly what is happening. But I think that the cross-communication is so poor between the people on the ground, the engineers controlling the power station, and the people who have to give the message out there as to what is actually happening, um, is so confusing that you would rather just decline and defer responsibility to some, someone else then take a responsibility. And I think if perhaps we spoke more to the representing engineers, uh, you would probably get a more realistic answer, probably not the best political answer, but at least we'll have a better idea of what's going on. Do you agree with that, Butsandil? I mean, here we have an ESCOM spokesperson in the middle of a crisis that ESCOM is and has been, declining a request to come onto a national broadcaster to have a conversation to explain to the people who are adversely affected by the operations of the entity and deferring us, moreover, to the politicians who it is clear have no idea what is going on. Tashiv speaks about the fact that it might be lack of confidence because the person involved may or may not know what he or she is doing. Isn't that then part of the problem? It's a governance no, failure. No, I, I, I think that there the, the, the are Parts of uh, what my colleague uh, Tashiri is saying that are excellent, excellent points about, and then I made these points earlier on on SABC TV, mm. uh, yes. that the, 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 the engineering component, not just at ESCOM and elsewhere, uh, Transnet and elsewhere in, in all these infrastructure companies, 
needs to be much, much more prominent, and and, 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 and that will help us with this accuracy that they're talking about. But the problem here uh, uh, that we are asking uh, is that the the spokesperson of, of ESCOM has got information. I don't think that this, uh, they would be uninformed, but the information that they have is not politically acceptable. So if they were to tell the facts as they are, what ESCOM as, as a professional entity, if we were to look at them as professionals, mm-hmm. that's what mm-hmm. the, the, the politicians want. There's a conflict. That, that declination, that decline, and when they declined the invitation, to me signals that Prabhu mm. Gordon would have wanted to paint a certain picture that the professionals at ESCOM may not be the same picture that they want to paint. Does then that not lead credence to the fact that the public through the president were misled by ESCOM? Because if there is a particular picture that exists, which picture is not necessarily acceptable to the political structures within the broad framework of ESCOM and the DPE, which has to, in other words, be sanitized so that it can be taken out to the masses, presumably ourselves here, then there is a problem at ESCOM 1-2. Wherever it may lie, then it is quite feasible that the president might have been misled because there is a truth and then there's a version that we have to be given. Sandil. No, there's no question about that. Uh, 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 to be totally sincere, I, I, I actually went back to the statement of the president mm-hmm. and uh, the statement that he made after the meeting and the statement by uh, uh, Mabuza, uh, the, the, the deputy president. Uh, there was definitely uh, an inaccuracy, a, a misleading. That David Mabuza, the deputy president, was actually right in his statement, in my judgment. Sure. So, so now the issue, but you need to be careful how this wrongness comes in. And I mm. think Chabuma Buza took a risk that was unwise for him. He didn't have the competence to take the risk that he took. If you are going to make a promise, because I'm reminded of the words of uh, Paramani Hadebe before, that unreasonable demands are being made on him. Uh, and he's a man of numbers, he's an economist. So, uh, if he's going to make a public statement, he does calculations and he says, I can only take this thing up to this point. So if somebody asks you to put a propaganda statement that you cannot substantiate in fact, it becomes a problem. So uh, I think that, that it could easily have happened that Jabu Mabuza, the one who resigned, took a gamble and prayed really that nothing will go wrong in this period. But from a technical engineering perspective, there was a, a risk that he did not discuss with President Ramaphosa. He did not discuss that risk with uh, David Mabuza, the deputy president. He just made a statement that needed to be qualified that was not qualified. So when that risk that uh, uh, was there hanging, looming, and, uh, the technical risk, and then it actually happened, then he could have nowhere to go. So I, if I was the spokesperson of ESCOM right now, I would decline to speak in public. I would certainly refer all inquiries to Pravin Gordon and they let him answer these questions. Well, the questions you can answer as ESCOM as a company are technically based in, based on information that our engineers are getting us. If we're not, we're using other criteria to make public statements, then it's better not to make public statements. Let me just focus in on Mr. Jabu Mabuza because you had alluded to him earlier on. At some point, and I'm asking you now to put the governance cap on at the Witt School of Governance, he was the CEO and the chairperson. He was effectively reporting to himself. 
at a, such a critical stage of ESCOM, its management, its turnaround strategy, in the light of the load shedding, which in many quarters reached unprecedented proportions at a great cost to the economy. I can go on ad infinitum about the issues. Was he ever qualified? Was it ever desirable to have him wear two caps in one body on such a critical entity, Butsandil? Uh, let's deal with this. The first thing is that uh, it was Sir Ramaphosa who appointed Tabu Mabuza as chairman of ESCOM when Sir Ramaphosa was deputy president. And when Tabu Mabuza went to the Zondo Commission to testify, he said he just was recruited with a phone call over the weekend and by Monday the paperwork was done and he was put in there. So we are not aware. That is what he testified at Zondo. So there was no competition, there was no searching for the best qualified person for that entity. The second problem with doing that is that there are many mature, very mature senior engineers in South Africa who are still resident in South Africa who qualify to be the chairman of ESCOM. So when you are looking for a board member, all the positions in ESCOM, board, board positions that are vacant, to the best of available uh, uh, capacity, they must be filled with engineers, not any other type of skill. Uh, who has been at the conference because the problems at ESCOM are of a technical nature right now. And then you can supplement here and there with the accountants and whatever, a little bit, but the main business should be the engineers. So he was not qualified on that note. The other criteria why he was not qualified was that this person is actually a service provider. He's a contractor to ESCOM, uh, his wife on the other side from Montreal and himself on the other side. Um, and he is a hotelier and is in other businesses that have got absolutely nothing to do with this. So it could not have been a worse choice. And lastly, mm. uh, we could not choose specifically him in that board. He was not the best qualified even in that board to be the one to be the acting CEO. So again, these are things that are discussed elsewhere. Uh, between Pravin, perhaps, and other people, and even Cyril himself, Cyril Ramaphosa himself, that now take over these two positions. And they are giving these positions to actually the wrong person for reasons that perhaps as time progresses will become apparent. Why was Jabu Mabuza ever at all brought anywhere near ESCOM is still a mystery. On the basis of that to you, Tashiv, had all of this with the kinds of stories that preoccupied the media in the nine years of President Zuma. Had this been a Zuma appointee with the kinds of consequences we have seen in the tenure of Mabuza, the reception in the media, in the political space, and in the public at large would be dramatically and grossly different to what it has been for the most part for Jabu Mabuza. Why then has that public opprobrium that sense of indignation with how Jabu Mabuza went from being nothing at ESCOM to being a member of the board, to being a CEO with all these conflicts and these lack of qualifications that our colleague Sandile has mentioned, and it be treated as something which is quite normal. Why? So, you know, that, that question is quite heavily political. Um, 
But, you know, when I, I first heard the news of uh, Mabuza's uh, resignation at the ANC presidential gala in Kimberley, delivered by President Ramaphosa himself, and I think the decision to resign was an honorable one. And we must praise uh, Mr. Mabuza for his efforts in a very difficult situation. Considering the current state of our electrical power system in South Africa, you know, from a technical perspective, even though I'm not uh, yet involved in ESCOM, it was an incredibly ambitious task to uh, promise to eliminate load shedding during the festive period. I mean, you cannot just promise that to the people. So I'm pretty sure that something has happened between the engineers saying, listen, you cannot deliver this promise. It's just not going to happen. To releasing um, a statement that says we are going to promise that we're not going to have load shedding. And I think that in itself sums up some system that's definitely failing quite drastically um, within ESCOM and within government itself. I, I cannot speak much about the political implication of Mr. Mubuza himself, but I can definitely tell you that as an engineer, I would have definitely not recommend to, to make that statement. So somebody's changed the information from point A to point B, and I don't know what's doing that, but we need to fix that as soon as possible. 40 minutes down, 20 to go. Mr. Sandy Leswan, a political analyst and lecturer at the Witt School of Governance, together with Dr. Tashi Varamsanda, who is the director of Cambridge Aerothermal at Cambridge University, talking to us the state of affairs at ESCOM. After the ad break, we continue with them, and this is a good opportunity for me just to confirm that we are more than happy to take calls, and we insist on taking calls now, not later, on 891 Please, ladies and gentlemen, if you want to participate, do so now, not at the tail end of the discussion. 2040, we will return after this. SMS SAFM now on ออเดอร์แอนนี่คอลเลอร์อัพเดอร์คัมออนเกมาบูเดอร์วีนีดยอร์พิสเปคทีฟส์ออนดิสแมทเตอร์กูดอีเวนท์ทูยูแทนกิ
competitive energy sector. ESCOM will be restored to becoming a company that can provide energy. And I want to stress once again, those who think that we want to privatize ESCOM, I want to say to you, we are not going to privatize ESCOM. We are going to strengthen ESCOM so that it can deliver energy as it should. Right now, yes, we understand very clearly the concerns that South Africans have about the load shedding that we continue to have almost on a daily basis. These are challenges that we are addressing. These are challenges that we will succeed in addressing. ESCOM is the largest company in our country. It is too big to fail, and we will not allow ESCOM to fail. Instead, we will rebuild it and support it so that it can execute its developmental mandate. At the same time, ESCOM, its management, and its board must continue to ensure that they maintain their power stations. ESCOM's power stations, many of them are old. The new ones that we've built still have a number of design challenges, and that is why they keep up keep on tripping and leading to load shedding. Now I will say, obviously this has a negative impact on our economy and on the lives of our people, particularly those who are in hospitals. That was President Ramaphosa and before him a voice note. The voice note in some says, ESCOM has reached a point of no return. President Ramaphosa then speaks about restoring the company to provide energy. He laments the fact that, indeed, some infrastructure is old, needs proper maintenance, sometimes it needs to be restored altogether or rebuilt anew. And then he says, it's too big to fail. My wonder, Butsandile, is who writes these speeches for the president? Why are there so many inherent contradictions in what he says? Why would you restore? Why would you need to rebuild? Why would you make such concessions as old infrastructure and lamentations about the fact that we all know that ESCOM is essentially a failed entity? Bailout after bailout, CEO who never finishes a term, and all the problems associated with its governance, as we have just talked about for the best part of 40 minutes. And then still say to people of the country, it is too big to fail, as if to say it isn't failing. Why can we just not get a proper message built on honesty from the president? He was shocked last year in December. Who would be shocked why ESCOM is giving us load shedding is a one that's still to me. Putsandile? Yeah. Problem that, you see, your question to me goes to the core of the issue. And the core of the issue is as follows, and I think we need to look at the two scenarios. The two scenarios are that ESCOM, not so long ago, was an international award-winning, successful, well-funded entity. In a short space of time, 
the ANC cadres went into ESCOM through Chancellor House, the likes of Vali Musa and others, to start the process, uh, Hitachi and others, to start the process of looting and deprofessionalizing ESCOM and, and depoliticizing it. So ESCOM is not an inherently uh, poor business. It's not a failing business inherently. We've seen it flowering and succeeding beyond all measure very recently in the democratic era and before. So there is a sense where maybe Sir Ramaphosa is not as open to us as he should be. I think that is where your question is going, to say, look, there's nothing wrong with this business. All the damage that you see, we caused it from Lutuli House. And we are now trying to correct ourselves because we are the ones who caused the damage, we are the ones who sustained the damage to make sure that it continues happening. Therefore, we need to pull back our hammers and sledges and kicks that we're using to damage the business and allow the business to run properly as a business. So to me, that is where the issue is. And uh, and this applies to a lot of these other businesses, Transnet, SAA, and so on, where the comrades have moved in there in a very parasitic and, and rapacious manner and took the innards of the business. That is why engineers, the best engineers, had to leave ESCOM because they were living in a very toxic environment. They could not exercise their professional skills. Those engineers are not dead. Thank you so much. Hello? Let's yes. take quick Edwards. I know I appreciate that. Um, I appreciate that. I'm just very keen to hear the thoughts of um, immediately after the break of Gerald, Lorraine and Mike, all from Durban. Ladies and gentlemen, please be aware. One minute, one minute thirty, please. Let's let, let's honor those time constraints because we have something like eleven minutes to go. Immediately after the ad break, we go to callers in Durban, Gerald, Lorraine, Mike, and perhaps one more. But even then, it's my discretion. <laughs> The Viewpoint, 8 to 10 p.m. Flipping conventional wisdom on its head. Songhez Omapete on SAFM. My favorite people, the callers, Gerald, Lorraine, Mike, and Mystery, all from KZN. Gerald, good evening. Uh, hi, Songheza. Uh, just, I'm glad that your guest mentioned that uh, uh, the looting started with, uh, of the SOE started with Chancellor House and the uh, you know, uh, we've had the people at the Zondo Commission try to bluff us that it started with Jacob Zuma and the Guptas. It started way before then. The looting actually started with the arms deal, but the SOE started with Chancellor House and Eskim. But just to sort Eskim out, three things need to be done. Skills audit, lifestyle audit, and retender on everything over five million. People like Jabo and Mabuza, they lose their contracts tomorrow. He's just incompetent. He knows nothing about running anything, you know, so, but he, he is exactly the kind of people who are politically connected and have, have contracts there. The, the other point is uh, the president is awesome, you know, he's been in the war room since 2014 as deputy president. If he still doesn't know what uh, is going on in Eskom, well, then he's probably too incompetent to run the country. And um, you know, just, um, I'm just trying to think of my last point. Um, Thank you so much. We appreciate your thoughts, Gerald. Appreciate that indeed. Next caller, please, Lorraine. Hi, good evening to you and your guests. Thanks for having me. Uh, so I'm a female to all the men out there who have every type of comment, blah, 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 ad nauseum, with no solution in sight for this beloved country. My suggestion, 
Let us break the rules, have an indaba on all role players who are interested in contributing, compare notes, and we can take it from there. I've always almost got a qualification in uh, engineering, having watched the news forever and ever with nothing there but the same thing over and over and over. My goodness me. Can we, and if we were females in charge, we would have thought of different suggestions. Have an indaba, get everybody who's interested, who's interested in South Africa first, and there are many people with ideas that blow the mind away. Why Eskim is not asking those people, eat humble pie, because it's about the people of South Africa, not about your reputation. Have this indaba, and let us see where we can take it from there, because nobody seems to have solutions of their own. One such person, and I commend him, is Ed Blom. But please raise your hand and come forward. Thank you. Bye. Thank you so much, Lorraine, calling us from Durban. Mike in Durban, indeed. Good evening. To you and the listeners. Uh, let's forget about looting and cadre deployment. Let's talk about the brain drain. You know that uh, former Eskom engineers were involved in the design and the supervision of the building of a power station in India, almost the size of uh, Madhupi and Kuzili. Uh They built it at a tenth of the cost in a fraction of the time that power station uses South African coal and sells electricity at a fraction of the at, of the price of what we sell it for. Uh, they're busy in the Philippines at the moment building a huge power station. This is the big problem. These people do not want to work for Eskom. They were kicked out because of data deployment and be call it what you like. Mike, thank you so much. Let's go to Mystery in KZN. I don't know if that's the name or just a pseudonym for purposes of anonymity, but good evening, Mystery. Good evening to you, 100% correct, Songiso. Thank you. Uh, I like your guest there, who's uh, giving it on all angles about, uh, you know, qualified technicians. Uh, but my uh, my problem is, have they not given Mr. Brian Molifa for one year, eight months in employment, Thirty-four million. Maybe they could have used that money wisely to build another power station. Thank you. Thank you so much. Look, we have four minutes to go, and my guests are here, and I really wouldn't want to indignify them by making sure they respond within the hour, two minutes apiece. So I want to do this. To the extent that you can reply to anything, Tash, if I'm going to give you this opportunity, hang ten the Butsandili. Perhaps we might have referred to you after the hour. But Tashiv, let me just quickly just encompass things because Gerald speaks about a skills audit, a lifestyle audit, and anything over five years go back to tender, never mind the civil remedies that might be brought against ESCOM in relation to that. But that's his view in terms of trying to make sure that the restoration aspect is attended to. He speaks about the fact that President Ramaphosa, who continues to be shocked and unaware about some of the key issues at ESCOM. If he's not so aware about ESCOM, it might be a sign that he's actually not aware about a lot of things in the country to the extent that he used the terms Ramaphosa and incompetence in one line. Lorraine, talking about a skills in Daba to get the voices of South Africa, specifically mentioning the fact that it might even be time to get a lady, a woman in the space of ESCOM at a critical level and space. Mike, talking about cadre deployment, having destroyed ESCOM, and I think we can agree to that. And I think for the most part, these are points, none of which are or unreasonable or irrational. What are your thoughts in reply to these three calls, four calls, including that of Mystery and KZN? 
yes. So um, ESCOM uh, has uh, in the past been a very great, greatly respected uh, power generation company globally. Um, and we've seen the decline of its existence over the years. But the problems that were critical is generally the problems that are faced, you know, addressed first. But initially it was political, then it was leadership, then it was mismanagement. And now it's come to a point where the problem lies solely technically. I think we are at a stage where the power stations are failing. We have trouble um, uh, trying to get it to get to get rid of load shedding. But the good thing about technical problems is that you just need the right technical people to solve it. And with respect to brain drain of the country, um, I am um, an Alfred Mandela scholar, and I went to the University of Cambridge to study my PhD, after which I've been to four continents uh, tr- trying to solve power problems. And, well, I am in South Africa at the moment, and uh, we are here uh, speaking to government, speaking to ESCOM, and there definitely is light at the end of the tunnel. Um, we will be able to get this problem solved. We just need to put the right people in power. And that is not political. That is not fancy um, businessmen. We need to put highly skilled engineers, which are still available in South Africa and are still available abroad, but that will come together to fix this problem. Dr. Tashi Rafsanda, who is the director of Cambridge Aerothermal at Cambridge University, together with Mr. Sandile Swana, who's a political analyst and lecturer at the Witt School of Governance. Those have been their thoughts in the first hour. Quite unprecedented to have one story in one hour. Even more unprecedented is to carry over one story in the first hour into the new hour. But purely because of the demand, purely because of the great extent to which ESCOM affects each and every single South African, we have to carry it through. It's now time for news, after which we're going to continue with our guests, taking in more voice calls and phone calls in particular, 891 Thank you so much for those. Thank you so much to those who have participated. We look forward to another enthralling engagement at the top of the hour. But first, news. On the Viewpoint. Yes, indeed. Good evening. Welcome to this, the second hour of The Viewpoint. Song is on my Vanessa, Lesejo. Thank you so much, ladies, as well as to you, Brafini. Full team, full everything on The Viewpoint. And, of course, we have a full house of calls, views, and comments, and not least among those from Dr. Tashi Vramsanda, who is the director of Cambridge Aerothermal at Cambridge University, as well as Mr. Sandy Leswana, political analyst and lecturer. Gentlemen, thank you so much. I know this was not the initial agreement, but, frankly, the demand requires and... You have risen to the occasion, and we appreciate your extended availability on the viewpoint. But, Sandile, let me then, on that account, come straight through to you. Those were some of the points that came through in the previous hour from the voice note saying that ESCOM has reached a point of return, a point of no return, I beg your pardon. You heard the clip of President Ramaphosa. Equally, Gerald, Lorraine, Mike, and Mystery had views about turnaround strategies to mitigate the, well, whatever remains of the tragedy that is ESCOM. Do you want to just say something in reply to those comments before we go to some of our listeners with their voice notes and other calls? Yeah, I think the the first point that we need to say is that um, the the ESCOM has not reached any point of no return. Uh, As a nation, we need to say the looters who want to loot and disturb and politicize ESCOM have reached a point of no return. And whatever our structures are out there in the community, we need to stand up and make sure that 
ESCOM becomes a proper technology company and a proper engineering company. And I'm saying this because I, I have heard some people react very negatively previously, maybe two years back, when I said ESCOM is first and foremost an engineering company. ESCOM is not a general business. So I think even in the cabinet of uh, cabinet presently and also at Lutuli House, the people who deal with any part of ESCOM and any of these engineering companies that we have need to be people who are technologically trained in multidisciplinary engineering disciplines. So to me, if we do that across the board, uh, we will be able to succeed. Let's then on that account listen to more or take in the consideration, the perspectives of our listeners. We have a couple of voice notes through. I'm not so sure if at this stage there are any calls, but let's certainly go through to the voice notes before we return for some more comments from Dr. Tashi Vramsanda and Mr. Sandy Leswana. I think, Sangeso, hi, Sangeso. I think the better way or a better solution for ESCOM, they just need to switch off just for three months so that they can fix all the problems that they have. Then this of load shading every day, you know, it's irritating, it's costing. You know what I mean? So the better way, they must just switch off and fix the problem. If it is for three months, it's fine. We'll see what we can do. The generators are there. The solars are there. It's Sorel here from Devin. Thank you. Good evening there, Songezo. Um, thanks very much, my friend, for for um, a very holistic approach and non-biased, you know, point into things because we, we, we have sort of gone, you know, grown very hungry of that sort of investigative engagement on our radio airwaves. And it is very novelty, um, very refreshing as well. Nobody had been able to courageously ask the sort of question and sort of drive the show to point to the organic problems that we have at our national, you know, um, state entities and, and all sorts of stuff. So it is very refreshing. I'm actually in awe as I'm listening to this show right now. Thank you. Yeah, you see, uh, yes, there is this damage at ESCOM, but uh, I think your, your analyzers there, they are blowing this thing out of proportion. Because, yes, we, we, we do agree that the damage was caused for the past few years, the decade, damage was caused at ESCOM. It will take few years, few, few years again to correct the situation at ESCOM. It will take few years to, to correct the situation. But to say it's damaged and nothing will be done, there is nothing that can be done, it's a disaster and all those things, I think it's blown out of proportion. Things will be okay at ESCO, but that will take time. I thank you, Tsepo, in Blufundi. I just want to say about this ESCOM problem thing is that uh, this ANC that is leading us, I don't think it's giving us a good direction. It seems like it's taking us to the push. There is nothing, and I mean nothing, that these guys can show us that we, we are at least going in the right direction, direction with the hospitals, the jobs, the roads. I've, I've, I'm staying in Umtata in, in Eastern Cape. Hey, when you go there, my man, I'm even afraid to tell people that I'm coming from the Eastern Cape. I'm staying in KZN. 
this is very wrong what this government is doing to us my man potholes the roads where walk paths in on the on towns the towns are filthy everything is bad in this anc good evening safm um south africa from lady brand what is happening in escom is not really a small issue or a big issue it's a crisis this has been going on for a long time i mean you look at what's happening now with lights going off two hours a day how many businesses are getting affected how many people are getting affected and for the president to be making speeches that are very very hiding very much hiding the truth it, it's really not helping at all he needs to be clear with everyone just say this is what's happening this was happening i have a feeling that he doesn't know much about what's going on and the good question that was asked just now is who is writing these speeches for him because there's a lot of hidden things in there there's a lot of controversies with what he says he is just misleading us as far as i'm concerned or somebody is misleading him to give us wrong information thank you five voice notes and i'll quickly go through them just to recap before we return to you tashif to respond to the extent that you can and you can just cherry pick which ones you want to respond to but sandil as well stand by immediately often first voice note saying that is it even an option from Tswarelo switching off for three months? I think the second voice notes, which we certainly do appreciate, my dear brother there, I think it really is more than me a compliment to Tashif and Sandile for how they have engaged and been frank about their assessment of the matter. So to the extent that I am just here, I will take that, but really kudos and credits to them, as well as the production team for getting uh, such a good team to come through and speak to that. Tsepo and Bloemfontein saying, Everything is blown out of proportion and perhaps I would love for your responses in relation to his perspectives that whilst ESCOM might have its problems, the responses from you, Sandil and Tashif, are out of proportion. Mtata, gentlemen, saying that there are just general lack of services which have come to characterize the administrations under the ANC. And this is dovetailed or sort of corroborated by the last voice note saying that this is a crisis. People are affected. And we're talking about this week. Schools resume normal scheduling the country over. We're not even talking about the effect that this crisis has on commerce, in particular small business who simply do not have the kinds of reserves to, if you will, cushion the tragedy that is ESCOM. Of course, I haven't even spoken about hospitals and their need, especially in those far-flung areas that our brother from Mtata speaks about. What then do you say in response to these ordinary South Africans with ordinary perspectives, but because of ESCOM, things certainly cannot be ordinary? Tashif? Yes, um, firstly, thank you very much for the compliments. Um, it is a big problem. Um, a stable pro supply means a good economy. And you can see that load shedding is affecting a lot of people, um, especially critical services and um we need to sort this out as soon as possible and bring power to the people. Um, I think people are saying that ESCOM is a failed, uh, was a failing entity, and I think that's a bit harsh as a comment to make. Um, as I said previously, it's become a technical problem now, of which I am pretty sure if we get the right team involved, we'll be able to fix it. And once we do, uh, we'll be able to uh, develop a good. Um, energy production portfolio in order to meet zero carbon 2050. It's just up to ESCOM and up to government to put the right people, especially engineers, especially those with extensive global experience, in power and ready to take action. All right. Let's have your thoughts, please, Mr. Sandler Swana. 
Yeah, thank you. The the problem at ESCOM uh, is is not small. Uh, we must not uh, uh, deceive ourselves. These lights are not going on off. Sorry, are not going off because of a small problem. The problem is very big. Uh, the people were in the field of electrical engineering in the Sadak region. In the 1990s, mid-1990s, there were conferences already at that time to discuss the future power supply of the region. And by 1998, under the, the leadership of Tabombeki and Mandela, we started defaulting on that plan, which has take us, taken us to where we are. We defaulted because we didn't cater for the population growth in, in saying we need to expand the capacity, the generation capacity, uh, by building new power stations. And even when we started building them, because of corruption and unprofessionalism, we have taken much, much more time than necessary to build those power stations. So, uh, so, so the problem is big and it's fundamental. And I just want to emphasize these two things for the South African population that you cannot solve the problem at ESCOM, and it does exist, that we do not have um, reactive maintenance uh, under control. We do not have programmed or planned maintenance under control. We do not have refurbishment of old plants under control. All of those things don't need any politics. What you need is sound and experienced engineers to get that job done without interference from any so-called politician or cadre. Talking about the interference of politicians and cadres, NUMSA, who left Kosato in 2014, are suggesting that it's high time you move altogether, ESCOM, to the Energy Department. I want your thoughts, please, in a sentence or two, Butsandila, or shall I say, not in a sentence or two, in a minute or two, yeah, whereafter the, I shall the, close. The movement of ESCOM to another department is exactly the same thing to where it is. For instance, why would Gwede Mandase be better than Pravin Kodan? Uh, just as simple as that, that's a non-argument. I wouldn't suggest that that is the argument more than it should fall within the province of energy. Mandashe will be gone tomorrow, possibly. I don't think okay. it is with Mandashe in mind that this move is mooted. I think okay. it is with the fact then that it is an energy-critical sector. Let's look at it from another perspective. Why were these companies established and what did they do? These companies like ESCOM especially, they were established because large minerals had been dis- discovered here and it, they were established to develop mining and industry and also to develop skills, uh, technical skills. A lot of South African engineers, artisans and technicians were trained at ESCOM, trained at Telcom, trained at ESCOR, trained at all these companies. So there was mm-hmm. a strategy, a philosophy behind these things. Sure. So what we can then say is that do we have a vehicle through which we can develop a philosophy and a strategy and then operational capacity to do that in a controlled way. So the, the problem lies there. It doesn't lie on the issue of department. It's not about department. Where we are failing right now is that the African National Congress, the ruling party itself, does not have a development philosophy. It doesn't have a development strategy, especially the human resource, technical human resource development strategy, All and right. therefore the assets that go with it. So to say you'll shift it from this department to that, what are you going to do with SAA? What are you going to do? What are you going to do with all these entities? There are many of these big, big companies 
that are out there under the Department mm-hmm. of Public Enterprises. And all of them are in trouble because of these issues that I'm mentioning. In other words, it's a non-starter. Thank you so much for your thoughts. I'm going to release you now, Dada Sandy Leswana, political analyst and lecturer at Wits School of Governance. And as I close off this conversation, taking us to 20 past before we take an ad break and move on with Hashtag Health on Monday with Ms. Marcus Lowe, editor at Spotlight, I'm going to ask final comments in relation to what has been said. Is it then fair to say it would be futile? Let me ask your perspectives altogether, Tashif. Is the Department of Public Enterprises even a necessary one? The DA will have us believe that it isn't. What are your thoughts on that? Um, um, so, I think uh, yet again, uh, it's, it's a political question. Um, if you, we, as Nila said, you know, if we can make it a technical problem, technical problems are easy to fix. As soon as we start having the discussions between public enterprises, where energy affairs, that starts including a conversation that we do not need to have in order to solve this problem. Gentlemen, thank you so much. Tasha from Sander, Director of Cambridge Aerothermal at Cambridge University. Let's take a quick ad break, please, before then we go through to Ms. Marcus Lowe. Mr. Marcus Lowe, I beg your pardon.